0: Your host,
2: Beth Ann.
1: And I welcome you today to CSC Talk Radio. It is my honor, my privilege, and my pleasure to be here with you today. This is Thursday, and on Thursdays through the, through the month of February, we're going to be studying the deception, the, Congre- the great congressional deception, and, uh, that is written by Anthony and Tiso. But first, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get started. For such a time as this, most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you as a body of believers, praising you and giving you thanks for the many blessings you have bestowed upon us and on our communities and on this country, Father. You have blessed this nation, and we have let you down. Father, I pray for wisdom. I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds and our ears and our eyes that we may discern the facts laid before us. Guide us then as to how to react and which way to turn. Protect us, Abba Father, and protect all those around the globe who are fighting for freedom and those who are especially under religious persecution, Father. I pray, O God, that you will not allow the evil one another victory. Not one more victory, Father. Reveal his followers, and may we be able to see justice and return our land back to you. For such a time as this, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Under our Declaration of Independence, that is, if you still believe in being independent... Only you, the American people, have the right to change our form of government. Yesterday's monologue started out something like this. A constitutional republic, if you can keep it. A democratic republic. A democracy. A democratic socialist government. An oligarchy where unelected bureaucrats run the country. Never a good thing. Along with NGOs who want nothing more than control. to this mess in here today. Back to the internal gut. Remember, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Something just isn't right. You can feel it. Something isn't right, but you don't know what it is. So today we will continue our journey through the years and the documents and explain that your gut is correct. Something is very wrong. We've been duped, shanghaied. And we're being fooled into believing these buffoons in DC or even in your state legislature give a snip about this country or you. Not a one of them. Could or would ever sign a document such as that Declaration of Independence? Standing up for liberty and country and pledging their fortunes, which they received through theft of your tax dollars and unethical practices of their positions, they would never pledge their lives and their sacred honors, for they are greedy cowards, and they have no honor. Today we welcome back Anthony and Tisa, and we're going to study the great congressional deception of the American people from 1777 through the present. Welcome back, Tony. It's good to hear you. Have you back.
3: (laughs) Thank you, Beth Ann. Pleasure to be here, and I hope you're feeling better. Did your infusion help you?
1: It did. I really, I think I did well yesterday. And uh, it wasn't uh, really? an immediate feel of cure, <laughs> which I was hoping <laughs> for. But it I was. was so dehydrated, and uh, that helped, and the vitamins, and I had a really good night's sleep. And uh, I have been sleeping, but according to my Fitbit, it's not been good sleep. So I had a really good sleep last night and uh oh, um, I, I think was, I'm on the men Rudy, Rudy's about a day ahead behind me, I think, and then we're gonna get him on the men too. And uh okay. thank you. God well bless
3: I'd you like for that. to I'd like to tie into your monologue with um a quote out of a book that um I think might help clear up how the process of taking our constitutional republic away from us started. And, there, and it's, in it's this. Be, because uh, Lincoln had been assassinated and the Civil War prior to that, um, there was a lot going on and Congress was totally disorganized. They were, the, the northern states uh, representatives and senators were fighting among themselves on how to fill the vacant seats that were used to be held by the southern senators and representatives. And Congress couldn't solve or cure the problems of what were created by the Civil War and still adhere to the Constitution and the law of the land. The Constitution restricted them from doing anything beyond what they were allowed to do. So they, because they had issued bonds, which they were allowed to do, and for $200 million at, at 5%, and nobody would buy them. And, that, and 5% was an outrageous rate at those days. So they had to get enough money to solve the problems that they had and bring the nation out of its uh, memories that it was in. So uh, they came upon a, a plan, and it's in Chapter 2 that we're going to discuss today that you want to discuss. So uh, I just wanted to cover that one little bit that what was going on that started the pro- the, the process of Getting away from our constitutional republic.
1: Okay, well, we can start wherever you want. I had down that we needed to start at chapter one today. Oh,
3: okay, okay, that was that, that, what I just read was just from chapter one.
1: Okay, so yes. I, and okay. at the top of the page, I had written down the Judiciary Act of 1789. And then within this well, chapter, we also, you also discussed the 10 mile square in there, so we've got a lot of stuff to cover there and i looked up the oh, i've got it right in front of me the judiciary act of 1789 and i want to kind of start with that because i think it might have been something we ended with on on the last week and uh, yeah. so i wanted to kind of start with that and this just says the judiciary act of 1789 officially titled an act to establish the Judici- judicial courts of the united states was signed into law by President George Washington on September the 24th, 1789, Article 3 of the Constitution established a Supreme Court, but left to Congress the authority to create lower federal courts as needed, principally authored by Senator Oliver Ellsworth of Connecticut. The Judiciary Act of 1789 established the structure and jurisdiction of the federal court system and created the position of Attorney General. Although amended throughout the years of Congress, the basic outline of the federal court system established by the first Congress remains largely intact today. And that took me till the music. I'm sorry about that. But I wanted to discuss that just a tiny bit as to how that's laid okay. out today and uh, why, okay. and, you, know, you know, then he goes into the Attorney General's, and that's getting us into some trouble today, anyway. You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann with Anthony Antiso. He wrote the book. It is called The Great Congressional Deception of the American People, and we're going through the, the data, we're going through the documents from 1777. Through the present, and we'll be right back.
2: Have you ever checked to see how many minerals are in the nutritional products that you take? Not many if they come from fruits and vegetables that do not average more than 12 minerals due to mineral depletion in topsoil. Minerals are the key to good health and longevity and you need lots of them. A product called Immuno 150 is only $49.95 for a month's supply and it has 70 plant minerals and 80 other nutrients. There is nothing like it on the market. Now more than ever you need to supercharge your immune system and to do that you need at least 60 minerals every day. Immuno 150 has more than 70 minerals. Visit Immuno150.com, that is I-M-M-U-N-O-150.com, or call 888-316-2224, that's
1: 888-316-2224. Lights on. And we have returned to listening to CSE Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. We're studying the history. Of, I hope you're enjoying this because I really am enjoying this. I think it's important that we understand what's going on. It's uh, been something that I have, I've known, but I didn't really study it before and uh Tony's put this booklet together. It's just a short booklet. It's not anything big. It's not something impossible or so complicated you can't figure it out. You just read the documents and it's and it's right there and you study what's going on in the history. And um uh, you almost gave me a feeling that you felt sorry for Congress. And at this point in my life that's one thing I never will do for <laughs> I don't want to feel sorry for Congress. <laughs> But no, I realized we were in kind of a we were in kind of a mel of a house, as they say, uh, yeah. after the Civil I mean, War. Regarding that Judicial Act of 1789
3: that you talked about just before the break. Yes. That formed the court system. All right. There are um, there are 12 district courts in the United States, superior courts, federal courts under the Supreme Court on the West Coast. Out of the 12, there are four. I'll call it the left coast.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) They have have one-third of the federal district courts. Anyway, I'd like to read uh, Section 2 of the Organic Constitution. Yes. Uh, Article 3, Section 2. The judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity... Arising under this constitution, the laws of the United States of America and the treaties of which they have been made. All right. When you, when you read a a law like the constitution, which it is a law, you have to pay attention to the meaning of the individual words. When the courts get a case, uh, a dispute over, say, a contract. They look at the plain word meaning of the words in the contract. So the Constitution is a contract, by the way. Yes. Uh,
1: I had somebody so, scold me on the air one day about that, and I said, "No, oh, it's a it's a contract between us yes, and them." It
3: <laughs> well, actually, it's actually a, a trust that's been established. Okay. Uh, between for you know for the people. Okay, but anyway, under Section 2, the words cases in law. Nowhere does it say in the Constitution that they are to use case law. I don't want to dwell on this because it's just, I don't want to get too far into it. But basically what it is, the courts do not follow the Constitution. We do not have a constitutional court in the United States anymore. Wow. Period. Period. They are following corporate principles, case law, where they look at a previous case similar to what they're trying to decide. And and set a instead of precedent. Well, that's star decesis the that the Supreme Court, the ruling of star decesis the that the Supreme Court said they were going to follow. And so, therefore, all the other courts are going to follow that, too, which is case law. The problem with that is, no case is the same as the one that they're deciding. Not r- rarely would it be exact. All right. But the pro- the problem really is that uh, they. Um, sorry about that.
1: <laughs> That's okay. Life goes on.
3: really. Yeah, you know, the problem really is that uh, they're not following common law. The, the Constitution is based upon your natural rights and the na- and nature and common law. how common law is basically how do people react with each other and the courts don't follow common law and then the court of equity has been done away with. They don't use it anymore. You can request it and in a court of equity they they go by what is the fairest, solution for all parties in the dispute. How do we make this a win-win instead of getting into an adversarial? That's what a court of equity does. So I'll leave it at that right now for that issue. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, pardon me. Okay, so uh, off the Judiciary Act and into Chapter 1, I covered the three main dates and documents that are the basis for when, when they enacted uh, a, a, a law in 1871, it was illegal. And here's why: December 15, 1791, the Congress ratified Article Five of, of the con- existing Organic Constitution and held a uh, a uh, bill of. Uh, Um, what do you call it, constitutional assembly. They got together,
1: um,
3: and they established the Bill of Rights, and that was the 1789 or 91 Constitution. 1801 of February, the Second District of Columbia Act. This is important. Just make a note of this. The Second District of Columbia Act, known as the Organization Act, was formed. Then in March of 1801, the Supplementary Act, that created the municipality of the District Court of Columbia, and in um, under when Marshall was on the Supreme Court many years ago, he ruled not he the court the Supreme Court ruled while he was Chief Justice that the District of Columbia was a municipality that was a corporation that could be sued and uh, can could sue and be sued. Okay, why is that important? Just make a note of it, because we're going to come to a point in this, going through this, where that proves what they did after Lincoln's assassination was totally illegal. That's what's in part of Chapter 1. There's other things in there. And um, Andrew Johnson became the vice president after Lincoln's assassination. Okay? He was a state's rights and a constitutionalist. Congress was now just northern senators and congressmen. And they knew what they wanted to accomplish, what they were up to, which relates to that District of Columbia Act I just said. Congress had something in mind that well, I'm going to tie into that later on in our discussion. Maybe not today, maybe next Thursday. So they create – so so Congress could pull off this illegal act uh, and reason – okay, uh, there's so much I, I get way ahead of myself. When Lincoln was assassinated, his Executive Order 100, which created martial law, and in the words of that uh, executive order were that anyone who was opposed – to the uh, war or anything that the the government was doing at that time would be enemies of the state. Those words were in there. Anyway, when he created that, that put the Constitution in limbo. So now Mm -hmm. he's dead. He never rescinded it. Congress never rescinded it. And Andrew Johnson is now the vice vice president, is now the president. He's a states' rights person, a constitutionalist, and Congress wanted to do something to solve the problems of the nation. And so what did Congress do? This is going to sound familiar to you. They knew what they wanted to accomplish, and they would not get by, Andrew Johnson, this plan they had. So they created... False charges of impeachment
1: of 11 counts.
3: Where have we heard that before?
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, I was interested as to what those accounts were, 11 of them. I mean, all of a sudden this vice president becomes president, and now they're going to impeach him with 11 counts. (laughs) It's it's just crazy. Yeah.
3: So, yeah, who else did that happen to?
1: (laughs) I think recent president. (laughs) Yeah, he wasn't vice well, president; he was president. And, uh, right. And in fact, they're still going right. after him. Yeah, they're okay. afraid. They're afraid okay. so we figured it all out.
3: <laughs> well, if, if if enough people, uh, the reason I wrote this, I think, how do we defeat this enemy that we're fighting if we don't know how they accomplished what they did? How do we get around? We, I believe, we have to know. And that's why I wrote I this short, you know, call it a manuscript if you want it, you know. I don't care. But it, it just shows you the proof of how they did what they did. And then you can understand how to take steps. I wrote a solution at the end of the book as well. And I also wrote a separate outline on how to do this. So anyway, it's the, this chapter one, we I kind of ended it with this, uh, co- what Congress was up to, and we haven't told the, the, your listeners yet. And we will get to that.
1: Yeah, and I hear, that, hey. <laughs> okay. I hear the music. Okay. I hear the music. This is the fastest hour of the day. You have to remember that, Tony. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. I hope that you have your manuscript. I hope that you've purchased it. It was only 19 I, Rudy, I think I accidentally handed that back to you with that information on. I want to give the phone number um, for them to call. <clears throat> and um, order that booklet. Yeah, I accidentally handed it back to you. its nine eight two five eight four. And I'll give that again when we come back. And I apologize that I was so slow with that. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. We'll be right back. I'm going to give that number again because I gave that awfully quick going on, on to commercial. This is Zephyr Books and Coffee. It's just a little local bookstore there where Tony lives. He's just had a few of these printed. He's doing it on his own. He's not like he's got some printing company that's taking uh, uh, taken it and going to town with it. We're just trying to make this information available 1999, it's just covering the cost. He's not becoming a rich man over this. 530-598-2584. Nope. That is the number to call to order the books. And that is in 328 West Minor Street, Eureka, that's Y-R-E-K-A, California, the zip code is nine six zero nine seven. And I'll give that phone number again before we're done today because I I was hoping that all of you would go ahead and order those and have them ready so you could follow when we're studying this. And uh well, I know I've that, I've that, bounced that around I'm, a little bit, but it's just very interesting to me. Go ahead, Tony. No,
3: no, I'm just gonna say they I was by the bookstore yesterday uh and they're they're getting orders. People are calling, so good, good. I appreciate that. Uh, okay, now when we le- when we left off, um, I talked about well, one of the things we talked about in chapter one was the uh, Executive Order 100. Now, martial law. Now, some people are going to say, "Oh, we couldn't be under martial law today." Well, emergency power statute. This is out of the Government Printing Office provisions of federal law now in effect now in effect delegated to the executive branch authority of in national emergency this is titled senate report 93-549 emergency war war and emergency powers act this was done in 1973 by a committee of, uh, six senators.
1: Hmm. And
3: they, their reference material, believe it or not, listed in this document. This is one of the documents that proves we're, why we're under a corporation. They 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 actually researched the Declaration of Independence, Articles of Confederation, the Organic Constitution, and um, other documents. So um, I'm sorry for that That's that okay. phone, but anyway, you can get a copy of that. So in 1973, they found that we were still still under from Lincoln's original. Executive order under martial law. So every Congress, and we still are today. <clears throat> what a lot of people don't know is, as soon as the pre- any president has stepped off the the uh, podium of the inauguration and goes into a whatever building he goes into, he is immediately handed a document to sign, and he's he just told here, sign this. And what it is is an extension of the Emergency War Powers Act keeping us under martial law that is how congress legally does what they want has done what they want in the past and is doing today without
1: having to be arrested and we kind because of touched on that we kind of touched on that mm-hmm. the last time i think we talked <laughs> believe it or not i can oh, actually God. remember <laughs> And okay, but be, well, because I want to, I want to impress. We said if we had a president that refused to sign that, exactly that ends it.
3: That's it. That's all the next president has to do, or even today he can resend it
1: because well, it's do order. But yeah, yeah.
3: No, they they won't. <laughs> Congress. Well, anyway, okay, okay. So we did that. That. That kind of takes us through, that's an overview of number one. So do you want to go ahead with a little bit of number two?
1: Yes, absolutely. Let's do it.
3: Okay. All right. Uh, we also, in the first chapter, established a objective standard of how to review these documents so our own biases wouldn't uh, come into play. Okay.
1: And in I think those biases one, we... go two directions. Because I know, yes, they do. You know, I I didn't want to believe it, and you said you did. You felt the same way when you started studying this, and when people would tell me. And then I'm thinking, okay, so so what? They're following that. We still have our own constitution, you know. So we do have to put the that that mentality, that bias thinking, we have to put that to the side and and really figure out what's going on. I just wanted to throw that out there.
3: No, no, I'm glad you did. That's exactly what we have to do. So, um. In Chapter 1, remember, again, I hope you you folks listening, just a quick note. You wrote down District of Columbia, because we're going to get to uh, what co- Congress's plan was and why they uh, made kept Andrew Johnson busy with uh, impeachment proceedings. Okay. They, they created an act, and it was called the District of Columbia Act of 1871. And... I have, I have a copy from the congressional records of that actual act. And um, that is what started us down the path. The title of the act is an act to provide a government for the District of Columbia. Now, you go on to read that. I don't know if I want to get into this, that part of the act right now. I don't know if we should or not. I think I think we should leave that out there for the the uh, listeners
1: a little later. Well, maybe maybe give them a little homework. Look that up. Find the
3: uh, Second
1: District of Columbia Act. Is that the one you want us to find?
3: The district,
1: the organic.
3: Here is the 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 full thing: is Organic District of Columbia Act of eighteen seventy one.
1: Okay. 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 That's on page that. one okay. if anybody's looking at their booklet. Okay, okay, go ahead.
3: So what was Congress up to? What kind of government was Congress attempting to create? We martial law had suspended the Constitution and the country was bankrupt and they needed to get money. They were told by the bankers. World bankers, if they wanted to have money to pay their debts and feed the people and get their economy going, they had to be an, an entity that could be sued or could sue because they, the bankers told them, you we cannot attach a nation's assets. Nobody can go after a nation other than by war. So, the bankers weren't going to do that. They tried it. <laughs> Didn't work. We, we made, we had our own uh, declaration of war. Anyway, um, so, if they couldn't figure out how to do this, so they made, the only way they could do that was to form a corporation. So, if you look, this is another part of the, the proof. Federal code. Actual Federal Code 28, USC, Section 3002, or Article 3002, Section 15, in quotes, the United States. Not the United States of America. The United States, Section A, means... A federal corporation, B, a federal agency or department, C, an instrumentality of the United States. And why do I emphasize that? Because we're gonna, when you look up that District Columbia Act, you're going to find out that the OTA office was changed as well. All right. And every of every office since then is hey. to the United States. States
1: Corporation, not to the United States of America. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay, I hear the music. We're headed into a break. I want you to give that federal again, that number. I was trying to write it down and I got lost. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann with Anthony and Tiso. We're in the coming up to the final uh, segment of today's show. Every Thursday throughout February, we're going to talk about the great congressional deception. And we'll be right back. That's preparewithbethann.com. Six one six eight, and use the promo code Beth Ann to get thirty percent off plus free shipping. And we have returned to listening to CSE Talk Radio. I think I found it. I was a couple of pages behind you, Tony. Uh, the number you gave the federal um, was twenty eight. USC 3002 Is that correct? That's correct section 15, okay. 15. I was I was a couple of pages behind I was looking real feverishly and I <laughs> Okay. Right.
3: I, I'm sorry I tend to get a little Okay um on that same same page I, I you'll see a, a citation from Bouvier's Law Dictionary. Yes. Now I think we mentioned last time that uh, Congress does not use black's law dictionary when they make a, a statute or a law they use Bouvier's it's always that's always been the case and it still is today and on in Bouvier's law dictionary in the volume two you will see where he defined the United States as a corporation to be sued and to sue and be sued but then you'll see a citation from the Supreme Court that said, uh, and if I'll read this number here, you can find, look it up the Supreme Court decision yourself. It's number one, Marsh, which was Justice Marshall, December of 177, comma, 181, Supreme Court. That will give you the, That says, what's important about that is the Supreme Court found that no suit can be brought against the United States without authority of law. And the word R is used there. And the reason is in the Supreme Court's decision, which means the states at that time were corporations as well, Hmm. including the District of Columbia including the government and we'll show how that happened so uh, it's important that that this is the proof because if somebody says we're not under a, a federal corporation this shows that we are it's even in the federal code they codified it <laughs> um so uh, i don't have that that's pretty much what we did uh, highlights of chapter 2 um, Death Bethann, I know you had some questions for me. I don't know if I'm I going too fast or yeah, what. Well,
1: <laughs> no, you're not going too fast, but I wish I had all the documents in front of me. I've tried to download some of them. I do have the organic uh, constitution in front of me. I have had a terrible time. I have not been able to find the organic uh, uh, Bill of Rights. And uh, so if you have a link to that.
3: No, oh no, no, you don't. Okay the The original Bill of Rights is is the one. It wouldn't be an, an organic one. No, that's that's uh, okay. okay. You don't you won't you won't find that. No. Okay.
1: Oh. Um, but sorry, but the question way. of the Thirteenth Amendment is always there, and uh, that is something I was looking uh, for. That's why I said the organic or the original. Well,
3: I I don't know. There was a person, an, an attorney, a woman who was an, an attorney. Her last name was Kid. K I D D, I got some documents. Pardon? Was it DV Kid? I think so.
1: Okay. Uh,
3: it was. It was a long time ago. I, I just, yeah, a long I, time ago. <laughs> oh, maybe ten years. I got some documents from her, copies of original documents that showed that the. Uh, Fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth amendments were never ratified.
1: Well, I knew that the seventeenth had that. not. I mean, the sixteenth had not been.
3: I was just utterly amazed. What? It, okay, the process for ratification. They they hold a convention of states. They uh all of the all of the the vote is taken in each state legislature and the tally and the names of how they voted are given in a document to the secretary of state of the federal government who forwards it to Congress who ratifies it and then gives it back to the secretary to record it. Well, in those, in the event of those uh, amendments, they, went, they, didn't, they weren't sent to Congress. They went directly to the Secretary of State, and he just signed it off. And she, the documents that I saw, and I've been going through crazy through my files trying to find it, uh, trying to remember the, the Midwest and southern states that did not vote for it. Hmm. Um, anyway.
1: Yeah, D.B. Um, Kidd goes back a long way, even to when I worked for my mm-hmm. uh, predecessor, Derry Brownfield, uh, she used to be on his show from time to time she 's a little bitty thing. she was really a great gal and uh i don 't know if she 's still <laughs> around or not um but she uh she ran for president once upon a time and um yeah
3: um, uh, i don't know anyway that's uh, uh we'll have i 'll do some more research and see if still uh, she's okay still that'd around be great I appreciate that yeah hmm um Okay, so I don't want people to to confuse the federal constitutional government with the founders' original organic constitutional government. They are distinctly separate. Um, And and why the Constitution will never go away, never, they cannot do it, is because on the inception and the founding of our country, they established the Book of Statutes. Because a law does not become a law until it's published. If it's not published, it is not enforceable. So they, they they recorded and published the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, and the organic Constitution into the Book of Statutes. They're on their numbers one, two, three, and four. <laughs> so uh, that's. Why they can never get rid of it and why we can always go back to it because it's there. It's, it's there forever.
1: But theirs is not.
3: So, theirs is not. Okay. That brings up the point. I'm sure maybe <laughs> some of your listeners may or may not have heard of the federal register. The purpose of the federal register. You, you notice that when a bureaucrat or bureaucracy passes a a rule, they record it and publish it in the Federal Register. They can't put it in the Book of Statutes to make it a law because it's illegal for a bureaucrat- bureaucracy to do that. So they created the Federal – I'm sorry.
1: I said interesting.
3: Oh, Okay. So, the Federal Register was created to to establish a publication that would publish the rule that the bureaucrats make to make it enforceable under the corporate structure. Does that
1: help? Yeah, that makes sense completely. Before we're done with this, not today, but I mean before we're done with our series here, I do have a question about... Some of the things that they're doing today and, uh, and one of them is in regards to the District of Columbia trying to make it a state and add states to, uh, to, they're just trying to pump up their power. But anyway, I do want to ask about that. And how that relates to going back, way back to what they had done previously. The music's playing. We're out of time, Tony. Thank you so much for all that you do. If you find those documents, give me them. Can can you uh, make copies and send them to me? You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. I hope you've enjoyed this as we work.
2: The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. I think having
3: faith in God is a big part in it because the way I was raised has
2: helped to avoid smoking.
0: Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
3: I believe there will come a time when we are all judged
2: on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of
1: conception until our last natural breath. As a teenager, I gave my first public speech in my church. My hand shook, my heart pounded. I thought to myself, I can't do this, but somehow I did, and because I wanted to talk about things that were important, I persisted. I chided
2: my church as a senior in high school for not seeming to care about the not yet born, for looking the other way and for not taking a stand on life. I will be in earnest, I will not equivocate, and I will not excuse, I will not retreat an inch, and I will be heard.
1: One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life.